About two Sundays ago, my family and I were preparing to make the journey and return from vacation. <clears throat> Uh, we were visiting our relatives in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and having spent a few days in Rio de Janeiro, we, we had the chance to attend some of the Olympic events. Uh, and I promised the church that I would bring back Olympic stories, <laughs> so you're just going to have to get used to it. Um, so there we were. It was a Sunday for uh, Sunday morning. They're about four hours ahead, and uh, we were uh, hanging around the house with the relatives, and the TV was on. And uh, my uh, niece was flipping through the channels, and she came up uh, upon the um, gymnastics event finals. And if you're a fan of Olympics or Olympic gymnastics, you know that they have, like, different things that they do. Uh, first, they kind of do it all together as a team, and then eventually... Uh, they specialized. And so we were watching through, and uh, if you've ever seen any of Olympic gymnastics, it's basically a bunch of tiny women, uh, tiny, tiny women who fly through the air and do twists and turns, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So as the camera was kind of going from one to another, uh, one of the Chinese athletes looked like she was eight years old. She was, I don't know if you've seen her, she's like about this big, about eight years old. So we were watching that, of my eye, and then the camera panned to someone that looked very out of place uh, and, and it stayed on her and it caught my attention out of the corner of my eye and I said why is the camera following this particular person I thought this was a gymnastics competition and it caught my attention uh, and, and so I tried to tune in my head my heart to what was going on and I learned the story of this particular person I'm going to tell you her story a little, a little bit her name is Oksana uh, and this is a picture of her can you have that first slide please slide one uh, this is Oksana in the year 1992 at the Barcelona Olympics in which she was um, a competitor on behalf of the USSR. That's right. There used to be a thing called the USSR. <laughs> that conglomerate of nations is now defunct. But at the time, they had a, 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 a gymnastics team. She was a part of that gymnastics team. And, in fact, she won a gold medal in the year 1992. But two Sundays ago... The camera was fixed on her, not as a past champion or a newscaster, but as an actual participant. Can I have the next slide, please? This is her at 41 years old competing in her seventh Olympics. You guys know that Olympics are only once every four years in her seventh Olympics. And I know what you're thinking. Are you sure? Uh, can I have the next one? This is her on the balance beam. You see that? At 41 years old. Uh, and then the next one, please. This is what the camera was showing that day. And when you see the rest of the tiny prepubescent looking girls uh, and you see this person, you think, who is this? And how did she get in? But it turns out that she's a seven-time Olympian. She has represented Germany. She's represented uh, this particular time, she was representing uh, Uzbekistan. Uh, so she has, she has uh, <laughs> done gymnastics for Germany, for Russia, for the USSR, and for Uzbekistan. Uh, and she has won uh, gold medals in, in uh, the vault and silver medals in the vault. And she actually, two Sundays ago, still at the ripe old age of 41, competing in the 7th Olympic, qualified for the event finals. That means she's one of the top eight women in the world on this particular discipline. Fascinating, don't you think? 
That's fascinating, especially in light of the fact that um, you, you can go ahead and uh, take that down. Uh, especially in light of the fact that if you know anything about the sport of, of gymnastics, once you hit your 20s, you are considered old. The captain of the U.S. American team, uh, Allie Raisman, is 22 years old, and her nickname on the team is Grandma. Because newscasters will tell you and, and, and uh, um, people who know the sport will tell you that in terms of gymnastics, it's very difficult to maintain the strength to weight ratio necessary to conduct these drills. So usually uh, these little girls grow out of that particular ability by the time they hit their 20s. So when you're in your 20s, it's unlikely that you'll be able to compete at this level. But Miss Oksana is competing at the ripe old age of 41. She has a 17-year-old son. Uh, uh, and she's competing. And so when the newscasters caught up to her in, in, in Portuguese and started asking the questions, some of the questions they asked was like, why or how do you do this? What's the secret? What's the secret? How can you possibly maintain this level of, of training regimen? What is the secret? You know what her answer was? I love the sport. I love the sport. She had initially retired after London 2012 and decided to come back. And now she's hoping to come back again in four years. And no one will doubt her. She is, seems to found the secret to longevity, to live long, to long life in this particular sport. And she says her secret is, I love the sport. As we watched, as we marveled, I thought, whoa, I don't know. I don't know if you'd have the courage and the drive to continue to train when it... When I, Y'all, anybody who's over 40, me, you, you know, just you wake up in the morning, haven't done nothing, and it all hurts, right? Who's with me? You know what I'm talking about. Just getting out of bed, like, what? what? What happened to me yesterday? I don't remember being run over by a truck, but everything feels like once you hit a certain age, they say it just kind of, but, but Oksana's on her way up. She has found the secret. She says, I love the sport. So I've been asking myself, what's the secret to living long in anything? What's the secret to living long in anything? And that's what we want to be challenged with today, to live long, to live long. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Deuteronomy. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 4. We have been looking at the, uh, at the experience of the people of God, the nation of Israel, uh, when they were being formed, and how God is directing, instructing, and propelling them into their destiny and into the future. And we've been reading in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4 that God is giving specific instructions that give us solid footing, and I believe in this case, make it possible for us to live long. So read along with me. We're in uh, chapter 4. I'm going to catch you up a little bit if you uh, weren't here with us last week. This is chapter 4, verse 1, book of Deuteronomy. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you in case you should need it. This is what it says. Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws that I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord... The God of your fathers has given you, and do not add to what I command, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel, and for, us, uh, for the sake of context, the people of Israel had left Egypt through God's hand and Moses' leadership. 
and their destiny, their inheritance, was to leave Egypt and take possession of the promised land. But on their way, they got sidetracked through doubts, fears, lack of conviction. And so they had to circle the desert for what amounts to 40 years. And now after 40 years, they're back at where they were many, many years ago. An entire generation has died off, and they're getting ready once again to try to step into that destiny, into that call to take possession of the land. And here Moses is preparing to send them across the river and he says, listen to these decrees and laws that I'm about to give you so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land. Verse 5, you see, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have the gods near them the way our God is near us whenever we pray? What other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today? Moses says, as, as you're getting ready to step into this, this new chapter, this new destiny, you must hang on to these things that I'm teaching you because it is from these things that we will give testimony of the God that we follow. And so we've made a covenant and a pledge here in our church community that we're going to dig deep into these commandments, into these instructions. Because I believe that this is how we find ourselves on solid footing. Moses continues in verse 9. He says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. They're getting ready to step into the, the promised land. And if you know the rest of the story, you know that Moses can't go with them. Uh, he is going to be part of that generation that has to stay on this side of the river. And so he's giving them instructions, and he says, I'm going to give you these things. I want you to hang on to them, but, but be very careful not to forget what you have seen. Or, he says, to let these things slip from your heart. And it's just one of those realizations that you have with each passing year, right? Now, you don't have to nod, but we'll look at each other knowingly. That with every year, it's harder and harder to remember certain things, right? Here's our conversation. Usually, uh, when my wife and I were like, oh, oh, it's our anniversary again? Oh, what did we do last year? And everybody would say, what did we do last year? Oh, we went here. And then the other person says, no, we didn't. And then suddenly there's this tension, there's this moment where you're thinking, oh, I got to have the right answer, or she's going to think I don't care. And you're locked at the worst thing. And, and you have this quick look, and it's like, oh, yes, we did. And, of course, we have friends now. They're called iPhones. You can go back, check the pictures, and say, no, 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 it is what we did. But if we rely on our own memory, it gets harder and harder because the more experience that we have, the, the more difficult it becomes to retain the clarity of something that you've lived through. So Moses tells them, you're about to set off in this new journey. You're going to cross the river. You're going to see things and experience things. And for the moment, you might be excited about what I'm saying, but you will have a tendency to forget. Amen? Isn't that so true? Come on, friends, let's be honest. Isn't that so true? Amen. There are seasons in our lives where we have gone through significant things, where we have seen God do amazing things on our behalf. But as soon as we're past that season, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to arrive at a new obstacle and forget the obstacle that God just helped us clear. And so Moses says, watch yourself. You, you look at the language. Watch yourself 
guard yourself. Pay attention to your heart. He says, do not let these things slip from your heart. That phrase caught my attention. Because I think sometimes it isn't that we intentionally forget things or that we intentionally reject things or that we even intentionally push God and his ideas and laws and decrees away. It's just that they slip away from our heart. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It like slips away while I'm pursuing other things. So Moses understands this, and by God's wisdom, he is telling the people, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget what you've been through and that you do not let these things slip from your heart. What's in our hearts, what's at the center of our hearts is the clearest identifying mark of what we think is true, good, and valuable. And Moses says and warns us that we have to watch that we have to mind our hearts, mind what we, what's at the center of who we are. What do we find good and valuable? Otherwise, even God will slip out of our hearts. So he tells the people, don't allow this to take place. Watch yourself closely. Keep these things at the center of who you are so that you can teach them to your children and to their children after them. If you're a grandparent in here, in, in our church community, we want you to know how valuable you really are to God's plan and to our church community. And if you're a parent hoping to be a grandparent, we're rooting for you. We love babies here, so you go ahead and put the pressure on those kids to pop them out. All right? We love grandparenting here because what we know from the instructions of God is that your job as a person, as a repository of truth, does not end with your own kids. It continues through the generations. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. God has given us the unique privilege, and we believe at the Bonita Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church, especially highlighted by the example of these wonderful people, Jack and Donna, that it is a blessing that carries through the generations, and that we are are uniquely positioned to live this out. Look around. We've got grandparents and grandkids, great-grandparents and great-grandkids, all together. Isn't that cool? I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. It's invigorating. It's God's plan and God's purpose. And so Moses says, so guard these things in your heart so that you can live out this mandate, so that you can live out this, pur this purpose. He says, do not let them slip from your heart for as long as you live. Instead, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Look down below at verse 16. It says, so therefore watch yourself very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves idols and an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, animal on earth, bird that flies in the air, or any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and you see the sun and the moon and the stars and the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things that the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under the heaven. But as for you... The Lord took you and brought you out out of the iron smelting furnace out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance. Moses says, as you enter into this uh, promised land, as you enter into this new reality, as you begin to take root, as you begin to take possession of the land, as you begin to grow, your temptation will be to forget, to let these things slip from your heart, and your temptation will be to replace God with something else. Replace God with something else. 
As we were visiting uh, uh, South America, <clears throat> it reminded me of, uh, of my childhood years. Uh, when, when I lived in South America, it's very different there. And not everyone in South America wants to be in the U.S., but most of them do. Uh, most of us, I know my family, as a family of immigrants, many of you understand, we've come to this country in the hope of having a land of promise, right? We come to this country in the hope of having better things. But in our home countries where we had very little, where we always struggled, we depended on God because we had no other choice. But once we moved here, and this is speaking from my own family's perspective, it's easy to begin to replace our need of God with our search for other things. And Moses makes this warning here. He says, do not become corrupt by substituting God with something else, including one of God's gifts. So I've been asking myself, and I want to ask you, what are you substituting in God's place? What is at the center of your heart? What do you love the most? What moves you, drives you, motivates you? Is it love of gymnastics? <laughs> what is at the center of who you are? Have you almost unknowingly let God slip and allow something else or someone else to slip in? Moses is warning and he says... You can either be God's people or you could be corrupt. That means something is not right. It isn't working that way. You can either be his inheritance or you could be belonging to somebody else. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not mistake God's gifts for God himself. I found this very interesting because it says even when you look up at the sky and when you marvel at the things, do not be tempted to bow down to that. But know that it is God who gave you these things. For you will be the people of God's inheritance. Look down at verse 25. He says this, After you have had children and grandchildren and after you have lived in the land for a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of an idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and provoke him to anger, Moses says, I call on heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that you will quickly perish from the land, that you will not live there long, and that you will be destroyed, and God will scatter you from amongst the people. These are uh, pronouncements being made that if you're a student of the word, you know that will take place because no matter how many times the warnings are made, the people of God have a tendency and a temptation to always forget. And this is essentially a prophecy of what will take place once they take possession of the land. But Moses has given them an opportunity to avoid it by saying, do not let this take place once you have had children, once you've settled into the land, which I think is especially poignant for those of us who are now second generation or third generation immigrant families. We have forgotten what it was like to be in need and, and now we are stepping into a culture of entitlement. And we think that everything is due to us, we, that we are owed. And in that context, it is easy to let our need of God slip away. And it's easy to interpret God much like we interpret the rest of the culture, like he owes us something. And when things don't work out, we say, well, God isn't good because he doesn't give me what I wanted. Didn't give me the answer I was looking for. 
But Moses says, do not forget where you've come from. Do not forget the journey. Do not let God slip from your heart. Do not be tempted to replace him with some other idea. And when you've settled down, when you've had children and grandchildren, do not allow yourselves to be distracted and lose sight of who God really is. But if that happens, look at this. This is fascinating. Verse 29. But if that were to happen, if you have lost your way, if, if somehow all your good intentions ha have fallen to the side, if you have lost your way, but from there you seek the Lord your God, Moses says, you will find him. But only if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Listen, friends, when you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in those latter days, return to the Lord your God and obey him. For God is a merciful God and he will not abandon you. He will not destroy you or forget the covenant that he made with, his, with your forefathers. Moses is saying, we can avoid a lot of this suffering, but if you find yourself there, and this is true for us today, if we had all these intentions for our families or even for our church, but if we've lost our way, we can come back to God, and God is a merciful God. Amen? God is a God who is long-suffering and patient, and he will answer us. He wants to be found. But we must search for him with our hearts, with all of our hearts. When you are in distress, Moses says, return to God, and God will be merciful. Look now at verse 39 as we close. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below, and that there is no other. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands, Moses says so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Take heart of the fact that there is only one God. There is no other. And when we cling to him and call upon his name, when we come near to him, when we search with, for him with our hearts, with our souls, when we look to his instructions to give us identity, to give us purpose, to give us reason and motivation, when we love God, then he will bless us with the ability to live long in the land that he has given us. This is an opportunity for our church community to claim for ourselves the legacy that Jack and Donna have left for us. That we would be a community of love, acceptance, embracing one another through the differences and the challenges, through the changes and the seasons. That we would understand that at the core of who we are, God has placed a love for each other and a love for him. And if we do not let those things slip from our hearts, then we will be a church that blesses the generations, not just in our walls, but everyone that becomes connected through us. As your children grow and move away, as people come into our community, what a tremendous privilege we have. And the secret to living long here, the secret to living long is to claiming God as our only God. There can be no other. We must search inside our hearts. We must search inside our minds and see and take an honest look to see if we've been replacing him if something else has got our attention if someone else is taking center stage 
That's why Moses says, watch carefully. You'll be tempted to forget. You'll be tempted to let God sit, but we must not allow that. If we are going to live out our true calling as a church that blesses the generations, we must cling to what God has given us. We must cling to his commandments and his decrees. We must proclaim his name only. And so the invitation I have for you today is to take heart and claim for yourselves there's only one name, our God, our Father. There is no other. When we praise, when we sing, when we pray, we direct our hearts and our thoughts to Him. And He is merciful, and He is kind, and He is generous. He wants to be found by you. He's not hiding. He wants to be found by you. He is here. He is present. If on this day, here in our church community, you are struggling with something, Perhaps you have lost your way. Perhaps there are some things that you intended to do as a family, as a marriage, as a parent, as a father, mother, brother, sister. We want you to know that uh, the heart of God is always open. He wants to put you back on solid footing. He wants to unlock in you the potential to live long in this land that he has given you. But we must return to him. We must praise him. We must honor him. We must proclaim his name as the one true God, for there is no other.